Welcome to Idle Chatter, brought to you by the Machinery Digest, where steel and soil meet. A weekly podcast by a New Jersey farmer to all farmers and ranchers across this great nation. And yes, there are farms in New Jersey. Regardless of the crop you grow or the livestock you raise, we all have one thing in common. Agriculture runs on passion, sweat, tears, and machinery, and that is why the Machinery Digest exists, a no-nonsense, grease-under-your-fingernails educational website. It was created to provide a transfer of knowledge so that you can maintain, service, and most importantly, understand today's complex farm equipment. My name is Ray Bohax, and I farm too. It is time now to get under the sheet metal. Hello and welcome to Idle Chatter. Ray Bohax here, the Hot Rod Farmer, and I'm recording this on a, in our farm, or on our farm, in, on Catswamp Road in Hackettstown, New Jersey, the home of the M&M Candy Factory, in case I never told you that before. And you may be eating M&Ms this week because this is the Christmas week podcast. So this podcast will be launched during the week of Christmas. And I want to wish all of you that are listening a uh, a belated, because it'll come up probably right after Christmas, uh, belated Christmas, and hopefully you had a uh, wonderful and a blessed Christmas and Christmas week between Christmas and New Year's, and there will be a uh, podcast before the New Year also. But I did wanted to uh, wish you a merry, 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 merry Christmas, and uh, it's a wonderful time of year with the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ and hopefully that all of the hubbub and excitement of the Christmas holiday uh, did not uh, allow you to forget the reason for the season as the saying goes. So today we're going to have a little bit of a different podcast and uh, you know I've said that to you many many times in the past in the short history of Idle Chatter but I want to try something new today. And what I'm going to be trying new is that I'm going to actually give you a different type of instructional video, video, uh, instructional podcast. But this, and uh, this is a precursor to me starting, hopefully, within the first quarter of 2019, the Hot Rod Farmer TV YouTube channel. And once I get that up and going, I am going to be doing short instructional and educational videos, one a week. So there'll be, God willing, a podcast every week, and then there'll be a video oh, once a week on the Hot Rod Farmer TV YouTube channel. And they will probably be, those videos will probably be between 10 and 15 minutes. And uh, I think that there is a real need for them in the agricultural industry. And I guess like Henry Ford used to say, we'll try it and see what happens. In case you didn't know that that was Henry Ford's famous uh, saying, somebody at the Ford Motor Company would come to him and say, Mr. Ford, I have an idea for this. And he would listen to it. And if he felt that it possibly had merit, he would say, let's try it and see what happens. And I think that's a lot of... uh, what happens in agriculture, right? We may try a different seed or a different uh, uh, foliar feeding um, product or a different fungicide or what have you, and we try it and we see what happens. So that's basically what I'm going to do. But 
what I am going to talk about today on this podcast, there I, there it is, I dragged it out again, podcast, but um, I am going to talk about voltmeters. And since it's basically a uh, simple subject to discuss, that I feel that I could get away with it by doing it with just audio and no visual. But I am going to make a suggestion to you. And what my suggestion is that listen to this podcast and then afterwards, doesn't have to be right afterwards, but in the near future, listen to it again while you have your voltmeter in front of you. Now, keep in mind that if you want to go get your voltmeter, all you have to do wherever you're listening to this podcast on, be it my website, the Fran Network, Apple iTunes, or Ag Daily, is to hit the pause button and you could stop the podcast and then go get your voltmeter. But I really think that it would be the most effective for you to listen to this podcast without getting your voltmeter and then listen to it again when you have your voltmeter in front of you along with some things to check and what I'm gonna as we go on today I'm gonna discuss that with you but I'll give you the heads up right now you're gonna need your voltmeter and most likely is gonna be a digital voltmeter you're going to need a battery it could be a flashlight battery you're going to need a bulb uh, it could be a bulb from you know a car, tractor, what have you, any type of bulb. I actually have a bulb right here that I'm going to check, and it is a 1157 bulb. Excuse me, 1156 single element, uh, single filament. Um, I would like for you to have some sort of switch, a fuse, and possibly a relay. And so those things I'm sure you could find in your farm shop, and if not. When you go to town, you could pick up or get it out of a junk pile someplace. I just want to walk through some steps on how to check certain things. So uh, that is what your homework is to get those parts, to get uh, to get those parts of those items, your voltmeter, and I would suggest listening to this podcast one time and don't have anything in front of you and just concentrate and take it all in, and then the second time listen to it with your voltmeter in front of you and then you could pause the podcast and then get to the next test procedure and uh, by the time you get done you're going to be surprised that you're going to be pretty good with that with that volt ohm meter alrighty so that is what we are going to try to do today and uh, we will uh, hopefully it's successful right we'll try it and see what happens alrighty uh, Today's talk is a culmination of many things that I've discussed on my podcast, Idle Chatter, over the past uh, number of episodes. I did something, I did a, uh, a two-part podcast about the right to repair. I've done some other podcasts and mentioning some electrical things. But the whole core is that you need to be able to, on modern farm equipment and even older farm equipment, but it was a lot less forgiving because there was a lot less electronics on it, is that you, uh, at times, you're going to need to confirm things with a meter. And the standard bearer is the volt-ohm, and a better one is a volt-ohm amp meter. And it gives you the ability to check those three different things. 
So what we're going to start out with, and I'm not going to try to make you an electrical engineer. I'm going to give you practical, practical meter knowledge here. So it would be like, uh, you know, a while back, and I even mentioned this a few years ago, I went to the Ag PhD, the Hefty Brothers are friends of mine, and I went to the Ag, the first class I ever took of theirs was the Winter Workshop, the Ag PhD Soils Clinic. And, you know, I did not expect to become an, become an agronomist by going to a four or five or six hour class. But what they basically did was give you agronomy 101 for the farmer so that you could look at a soil test, you could look at things and you could have a basic understanding of it. And that's what I'm going to give you here. Because what I have found over the years, be it in the automotive industry or be it in the farm machinery segment, is that most mechanics, most farmers have a voltometer in their toolbox, but they really are not familiar with using it. And if they are from, if they do use it, they're awkward with it, and they uh, don't have a level of confidence in in, uh, in making it, doing a test, and feeling that the results are valid. So they uh, don't have a level of confidence about that, and hopefully at the end of you listening to this podcast twice that you will have a great deal of confidence in using that meter and going and testing something and determining what's going on and not being a parts replacer right just just throwing parts at it we discussed that last week's podcast about differential diagnosis and if you didn't get a chance to listen to that please listen to i think that you'll enjoy it well first of all let's discuss in simple terms, volts, amps, and ohms. Voltage is what could be considered electrical pressure. So that's the pressure behind the, the pressure that's that's causing the electrons to flow through the wire. So voltage could be considered electrical pressure. Often it's, it's made uh, an analogy to water going through a pipe. The pressure, the line pressure or the hydraulic pressure of the water. And then amperage is the flow of electrons. So basically, in essence, the volts and the amps work together. So voltage is electrical pressure. And amperage can be considered the flow of electrons through that circuit. And the electrons are what actually does the work in that circuit. And the voltage pushes that those electrons through that wire. So it would be like a pump pushing water through a pipe, an irrigation system, or a hose, or a hydraulic system. And then we also have Ohms. And Ohms was actually uh, a man's name. And Ohms is basically the opposition to electron flow or the op- or resistance. So in essence, if let's say if you have a a garden hose and you are you have a garden hose and we'll make a very simple analogy here you have a garden hose and coming out of your well you have 50 pounds of pressure so the 50 pounds of pressure going into that garden hose is your voltage so you could say you have 50 volts and then if you are flowing let's say 10 gallons a minute I'm making up numbers as I go along. So you have 50 volts and you have 10 gallons per minute coming out. The 10 gallons per minute is the amperage. That's the flow of the water, the flow of the electrons. And then 
if you were to take the hose and put a nozzle on the end of it and close off the nozzle that would be the restriction and that would be the ohms so based upon how small you make that orifice all right in that hose would be considered the size of the resistor and a resistor in electronics or electricity is measured in the scale of ohms so ohms is opposition to current flow and we have the volts is the pressure and the amperage is the flow of the electrons and it, you know it's <clears throat> that's one thing that's you know if you don't feel comfortable with this at this particular point you know you're not alone because other than if you had arcing wires or, or lightning striking someplace you're not going to see electricity the only way that you could see electricity go through a circuit is with something called an oscilloscope and you're not actually seeing it it's drawing a picture of it but if you just remember the garden hose theory that the the pressure coming out of the well pump is the voltage the amount of gallons per minute gallons per hour whatever the metric is that you're using is the is is the amperage and any res, any restriction that you have to that flow is a resistance and that resistance is measured in ohms ohms so once so basically in essence on a vehicle or a piece of farm equipment for all intents and purposes we're either going to check voltage amperage or resistance ohms so it's going to be one of those three things and that's why most meters are volt ohm amp meters and uh, the meter that I have in front of me is a cheapie from town it's a $20 meter from the auto parts store that I $25 digital meter that I leave in my toolbox and this particular one does not read amperage so I have to get a different meter to read amperage but the one I'm using today that I'm going to be talking about is uh, basically a volt ohm meter and I'm sure that you will have a volt ohm amp meter so now let's discuss the meter because I'm going to be bouncing back and forth between these these areas because as we come together I'm going to ask you just to stay with me on this because I am going to appear to be bouncing around but you'll see if you follow on the journey and are open-minded you'll see that it all makes sense at the end now uh, there's two types of meter scales there's what's called an analog meter which most people don't have anymore you could still buy them they're excellent and an analog meter means that it has a uh, needle and a scale so like a speedometer in a car that's an analog meter and most people today use a digital meter and a digital meter has a digital display it doesn't have any needle it puts up numbers and the abbreviation for a digital meter is DVOM which stands for digital volt ohm meter and if you have an analog meter in your shop that's excellent and if you have a digital that's excellent also what has happened is that on most computerized circuits on modern equipment and, and vehicles is that they say that you need to use a digital meter because the meter needs to have a certain internal resistance when you if you happen to be checking some of those computer circuits on the machine or on the vehicle and what they say is that it needs to have a 10 meg ohm internal resistance so it's a 10 million ohms internal resistance uh, 
don't worry about that right now because every digital voltometer that you buy today will have a 10 meg ohm internal resistance so that's that's common 20 years ago it was not but when i studied electrical engineering in college we uh there really wasn't digital meters there were digital meters but they weren't they weren't uh, widely accepted and they taught you on an analog meter and the industry standard was a simpson 260 that's the cadillac the lincoln whatever you want to call it of of uh analog meters a simpson simpson company i don't know if they're any more any longer in business but actually i do have an old simpson 260 which is probably older than i am but it works great but what's nice about a analog meter is that you could actually see the needle move whereas a digital meter lots of times when it's when it's uh, uh, settling in on its reading the numbers are bouncing around and there are some instances when you would want to actually see the sweeps of the meter but that's for a different podcast i'm going to uh, just confuse you here Alrighty, so now you could have a digital or you could have an analog and all we're going to discuss today is a dvom a digital volt ohm meter and hopefully you have one that also reads amperage now once you get into the family of dvom there is two there are two types of meters there is one that is scalable and one that is what they call auto scaling or auto ranging the meter that I have in front of me is a scalable meter. And what that means is that it's going to have different numbers on it and different scales. For instance, under the Ohm scale, it's going to have 200, 2,000, 20,000, 200,000, and 2 million ohms. So those are the scales or the ranges, and it has the same thing for voltage, and it has for AC voltage and for DC voltage. Now, if you look at your meter, you'll see of and most of this is in ninety nine percent of this is industry standard as far as the scaling is concerned. So um, you don't have to really worry about it. It's like it's like an SAE standard, so it's an industry standard. That if you were to have, if you were to see the le- the letter V with a little one squiggly line over the top of it, that's volts AC. And if you see the letter V with a broken line over it and then a solid line above it, so it looks almost like a highway line, one side passing, not on side, the other side not passing. So it's got a solid line on top, a broken line underneath, and then the letter V, that's volts DC. So the squig- one squiggly line over the V scale is volts AC. This, these two lines, a solid and a broken one, is volts DC. If you were to check line voltage in your shop or in your house or what have you, that would be AC. So building voltage is, is AC, alternating current, whereas most equipment runs off of DC voltage there are rare exceptions you may have some let's say like earlier ford power strokes or maybe even some later ones well probably not the later ones but the earlier ford power strokes that actually ran the injectors off of ac but the shop manual will tell you that so it's very important that you understand those two settings because 
if you're going to be checking something in your farm shop, how much voltage is it coming in coming in from the uh, from the utility into your building, and you're going to go into the socket and check it. That would be the meter would have to be set on AC, and if you go and if you're going to check the battery in your combine to see how much voltage is in it, then you would have to uh, move that to DC. So there's AC and DC. And then you would have the ohm scale on this particular meter. And then on a better meter, which I should have brought in, but the battery was dead on it, um, a better meter is will have amperage also. So on a vehicle... 99% of your testing, if not 100%, will be with the DC scale, not the uh, not the uh, AC scale. Now, what people get confused with, and it's very easy to get confused with this, uh, and I personally like a scalable meter. And what a scalable meter means is that I'm going to be able to select the range of whatever I'm checking. So, for instance, let's look at our volts DC circuit side of the meter. I have six, I have one, two, three, four, five positions on this meter. And this is for volts DC. So, I have, I have 600 volts, 200 volts, 20 volts, and then I have uh, 2,000 uh, millivolts and then 200 millivolts. Now, milli being thousandth of a volt, you would not really, you would use that if you were checking, let's say, a, a possibly an output on some sensors on, an, on a piece of equipment on an engine, for instance, like an oxygen sensor or an NOx sensor. So we're not going to, We'll go over that briefly, but that's not for today's lesson. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with the 20 volt, the 200 volt, and the 600 volt. And then if I go to the AC side of the meter, I have on AC, I have 200 volts and 500 volt scales. And then if I go to the ohm side, I have 200 ohms, 2,000 ohms, 20,000 ohms, 200,000 ohms, and 2 million ohms, which I had said a few minutes ago. This is where people get confused. And what that basically is, consider that the resolution of the meter. Now, what the, that's a fancy word for saying that that's the maximum the meter could read on that scale. So let's talk about a sprayer on the farm. And let's say that you are going to, uh, you have a sprayer, and you're going to obviously have a pressure gauge on it. So you have a pressure gauge that, let's say, goes between 0 and 100 pounds of pressure. So that is the range of that, that gauge. It could read between 0 and 100 pounds. So if you were to read... 50 pounds if the system had 50 pounds of pressure in it you would be somewhere in the middle right because it's a half half of its resolution now if the system had 120 pounds in it you could not read that because it would bury the gauge needle all the way over to the right 
up against the stop and you could only accurately read up to a hundred pounds conversely let's say the system only had a half a pound of pressure in it then a gauge from zero to a hundred would not be have what they call resolution enough resolution at low pressure for it to read accurately or even move the needle another way of thinking about this is that as a farmer we have often have a number of different tire pressure gauges we'll have one that reads between zero and ten pounds we'll have one that between between zero zero and sixty pounds we may have one that reads between zero and a hundred pounds and the reason for it being is that you would need to have a gauge that is scaled in more minute graduations if you're trying to read a tire that's only supposed to have eight pounds of pressure in it if you were to use a zero to a hundred pound tire pressure gauge it would not move it accurately enough for you to tell how much pressure is in it. and like i say conversely using the same example as with the sprayer is that if the tire had a hundred pounds of pressure in it and you had a zero to sixty pounds or you would just pin the gauge and it would be useless after that so in essence that's all these ranges are so on a let's say i'm looking at my meter right now that on the volts dc if i go to a 20 volt scale then the maximum that that meter could read on that scale is 20 volts so if i were checking a battery in my pickup truck i would want to use the 20 volt scale and why do you want to use that scale because you know that the battery has about 12 volts in it and when a charging circuit is running it's 14.6 14.7 volts so the thing is that you want to use as much of that scale as possible to get the highest amount of resolution so that you could accurately read the voltage and this is going to be a very simple test for you to do to teach this to yourself you could take let's say a flashlight battery a one and a half volt flashlight battery and you could put the um your meter on its lowest scale and you could read one and a half volts so let's say at a 20 volt scale we could read one and a half volts if you brought that up to the 600 volt scale you may see that it says that there's no voltage in that battery because the there is not enough resolution to read lower inputs and that's very important and that's really one of the major stumbling blocks that messes up people because they don't know what scale to put their meter on and when you go to school and study electronics they will tell you when you're checking an unknown circuit then what you need to do and this is for volts ohms or amps is you start on the highest scale the meter has and then you keep ratcheting it down until you get the most accurate reading so and it, and you could you could show you could do this for yourself it's very easy but the rule of thumb is always start on the highest scale and ratchet it down now if you are over range so let's say that you're on a 20 volt scale and you're trying to check 100 volts using simple numbers depending upon the, the design of your meter it may show or over range this particular meter just shows a one with a with a with a, with a dot next to it and saying that it's over range so 
depending upon your meter style look in your owner's manual and you know i should break away from it and say the first place to start also is to familiarize yourself with the, with the equipment through the owner's manual and then listen to this podcast and listen to it again and do the different tests so it'll give you some sort of over range scaling but the thing is that you start on the highest scale and you keep clicking the meter down to the lowest scale and then if you go too low it'll read zero and then if you come back up you'll get your accurate reading and that's for volts ohms and amps always start on the highest scale and then work yourself down all right now that is a rangeable meter and as i said there are what they call auto ranging meters where you have to make none of those decisions as far as the scale is concerned you just have to decide whether you're reading voltage amperage or resistance ohms now a lot of people like an auto ranging meter and i like it to a certain extent because what it does is it allows you to not be concerned with the scale but it makes you less intimate with checking the circuit but and it'll find the scale for itself for the for the highest resolution they're very very good uh, they're excellent tools, but they're not good to teach someone on for the simple reason being is they're not understanding the scale, the scaling of the meter because it's doing it automatically. And also, and you won't see that this much in what you're doing in the farm shop, but if you're working on later equipment, let's say a tier four engine or advanced electronics, is that I like to be able to know what scale I'm on and it will show you the scale, but some meters are not as intuitive as others so you need to be familiar with that meter and what you may want to do is if you have an auto ranging meter go to town and buy a cheap digital voltometer like this for $20 which is which is a rangeable one and then get a light bulb get a resistor get a switch get something and play with it on the table in the farm shop in the workbench and then you know say okay I'm going to go with my manual ranging meter and say okay this this light bulb has 1.3 ohms of resistance and then now i'm going to see how the auto ranging meter scales that and then you'll get to learn and once you know it's like anything in life once you get familiar with the tool it's not a problem the thing is that what most people do is they invest a tool guy comes or somebody buys them a digital voltometer and a matter of fact that was even one of the things i had in my christmas podcast is a fluke digital voltometer and the thing is that and they buy that and you know it's like a piece of exercise equipment it's real easy to buy it's not easy to use and the people buy it and they think oh this is great and they flip around with the knobs and they think they got the cat's meow here and they do but they never make the investment in the time to learn how to use the meter and there's probably nothing worse than having a tool a diagnostic tool whether it's a meter whether it's an oscilloscope whether it's anything that's diagnostic right a a cylinder leak down test a compression tester whatever it may be uh, of that you don't know how to use and like i say it's easy to buy but it requires that that was the easy part the investment is that you need to play with it and as i said a few minutes ago is that if you learn how to use your meter then it it's it's once you learn it it's it's like riding a bicycle you're not going to forget and you'll be able to follow a diagnostic routine and go from there so in essence my advice to you is that if you have an auto ranging meter that's wonderful 
and if you uh, don't that's wonderful and if you uh, have the auto ranging invest in a manual scaling meter and then learn how to use both of them and then you'll become it'll be a great 20 25 dollar investment they're very very inexpensive today Alrighty, so we so we have that now a couple of other things that we will discuss is that the meter is going to have two leads the red lead goes into the positive and then the black lead would be either considered the common or the ground so if you have those leads reversed it's not going to make any difference with the color but you need to be able to put it on the right terminals of whatever you're testing so red goes to positive and obviously black goes to what's called the ground or common now inside the meter you're going to have a battery and depending upon the meter design it's most likely a nine volt battery and that battery serves two purposes number one it powers up the meter so its internal circuitry works and the second thing is that it's used for an ohms test resistance test now the way an ohm meter works is that it sends a minute current electron flow from that internal meter battery and it sends it through that part and it knows in simplistic terms it knows what it's sent out and then on the other lead it measures what it gets back and it's able to calculate the resistance which is the opposition to a current flow to electron flow alrighty so the battery is very important because not only does it power the meter it's used during an ohms test a resistance test so now a couple of things that I wanted to touch on as we go through this we're going to discuss a resistance test or an ohms test first and for you to check resistance of anything in the circuit the circuit has to be unpowered so it has to be shut off so it doesn't have to be separated from the vehicle or the piece of equipment but the power to it has to be off because and if you don't if you have it powered and you send that voltage through the ohm meter you're going to end up blowing the meter most better meters have an inline fuse that usually have to take the back of it off and there's a little bus style glass fuse in there that in case you accidentally do that or overload the meter or put voltage through it when it's on a resistance scale it'll pop that fuse so keep that in mind if someone did that and the meter doesn't work look in your owner's manual because it's very possibly that there is a fuse in there I guess almost every meter has an internal fuse and you would usually take the back of it off and you could pop the fuse out it may be a little bit hard to find because it's a very short little fuse so ohm meter circuit needs to be unpowered and also there is no polarity with a ohm meter so it makes no difference whether you hook the red lead on one side or the black lead on the other with an ohm meter there is no polarity with a voltage and an amperage meter you do have to be cognizant of polarity and we'll get there in a, in a minute or two but so two things number one to check resistance of a circuit that circuit has to be unpowered and the second thing it makes no difference whether you have the red lead to the left side or this terminal that terminal or the black lead there there is no polarity two things all right so we're going to recap that at the end 
Now, to, when would you want to check the resistance of something? Well, the resistance test is basically a continuity test. So let's say that you have a light bulb and you don't know whether this light bulb is good. And I have one right here, this 1156 bulb. Is it 1156? I told you it was. Uh, yeah, 1156. Alrighty? So that's uh, like a, a light bulb for a tail light, but it's a single filament. It's not doesn't have a stoplight in it. Alright? Stoplight element in it. So <clears throat> A ohm's test is a continuity test. Now, keep in mind that a lot of meters have an, what's called an audible continuity test. And uh, they'll sometimes people call it ringing out the circuit or ringing out the wire. So you don't have to look at the meter and you could touch, let's say if you have a piece of wire, you touch the meter to one side, you have it on, on the, uh, on the uh, audible test and the meter to the other side, and if it beeps or rings or whatever sound it makes, then you have continuity. And that's great. That's great for certain things. So if you want to check a piece of wire and you see if it has continuity, let's say you're working on a combine and you want to go from uh, the engine into the uh, into the cab and you have long enough leads and you're one person, you can't read the meter, you could put it on the audible continuity test and you hear you touch your beep and then you know that there's continuity in that wire. You know that there's continuity, but you do not know how much resistance is in that wire. You just know that it has the ability to flow some electricity. So now, there are times when you need to actually identify the resistance. So now, let's say we're getting back to our bulb. Since we're doing an ohmmeter test here, there's, we're going to have the circuit unpowered, and it's an ohmmeter. We're going to check continuity in this filament to see if this bulb is good. And we're going to, there's no polarity, so on the case of the bulb, I am going to put, in this particular instance, I happen to have the black lead. And then I'm going to go to the center terminal of the bulb with the red lead. But you could reverse it and make no difference, no continuity. And this bulb, on I have the lowest scale, which is 200 ohms. And I have 2.4 ohms of resistance. So this bulb, 1156 bulb, has 2.4 ohms of resistance through the filament. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump up to the 2000 ohm scale, just as a tutorial here for you. And if I read it in the 2000 ohm scale, now it's showing 0.1 ohms. So that's 0.1 of 2000 maximum resolution 2000 ohms. If I go to the 20,000 ohm scale, it shows zero. So what, what I'm explaining to you is you start at the high scale, you go down to you, you keep clicking down and scaling down and then when I get to the lowest scale it's only two ohms I'm using the most resolution which is going to be the most accurate thinking of a sprayer you're trying to read three pounds of pressure in the sprayer line and the gauge goes up to 500 pounds is that you're not getting an accurate reading so it is that simple how to check a bulb so it's very important for you to do that because sometimes you could look at the bulb in something and you, f you think that it's, uh, that it's good and it may not be. And that happens oftentimes with fuses. Uh, 
you could look at a fuse and you think that the fuse is good and it's not so you would use your own meter to check that so now I'm going to check a bus type fuse here and this is a 10 amp fuse it makes no difference for the ohm meter and I'm just going to take the meter on my lowest scale 200 ohms and I'm going to go across this fuse and I have one ohm of resistance so this fuse has one ohm of resistance and I know that this fuse is good and what you may want to do also is when you have the meter on it tilt the fuse back and forth because I've had instances where if you held it one way it made a connection and if you held it the other way it didn't and you were not able to see that so that is one thing we could check with ohms next thing here is I have a switch you can hear it clicking I have a rocker switch all right so I'm going to check to see whether this switch is good and I'm going to take my ohm meter I'm going to go on in this particular instance I'm going on my lowest scale and 200 ohms and I have the switch open closed and this switch has 22.8 ohms of resistance now if you hear I'm going to click it I'm going to put it by the microphone maybe you heard it I clicked it and now I have infinity I have one and I have on my meter the way it's overranged meaning infinity it is open infinity is an open scale so on when the switch is off it's open when the switch is closed continuity I have 23 ohms 23 22.9 depending upon how tightly I am holding this uh, these these uh, leads on here 22.9 is what it's settled in at alrighty so you want to check a switch very very simple you could the switch needs to be unpowered does not need to be out of the piece of equipment you need to gain access to it you could unplug it go with the ohm meter there's no continuity either either uh either terminal color wire goes on each one put the switch on put the switch off and you basically have you know whether that switch is good you're not guessing so now let's say you have something you have lights on your combine that don't work so now we went with the ohm meter, we checked the bulb, we see that the bulb is not open, it has continuity, but we know with this particular instance, we'll say this bulb that I have here, it had, uh, I think what, let me check it again, I think it had, let's see, two seconds, I'll check it, it has uh, 2.7 ohms, 2.6 ohms of resistance. We checked our fuse. We know our fuse is good. It had whatever, 1.7 ohms of resistance. We checked our switch. We knew our switch was, was, was good because we had continuity when we had some resistance in the switch when it was open. I mean, it was closed and we had infinity when it was open. This particular switch had 22 ohms in it and the reason why it did is because it's a lighted switch and it was going through the filament of the light so that is why it, it it read read higher most switches won't have any resistance or one or two ohms of resistance but what you're looking for is continuity and completely open so you know that the switch is good so now we what we need to do is we need to check whether we're getting power to that switch so what we're going to do is we're going to go off we're going to we're going to change from the ohm scale to the voltage scale and we know because it's a combine right it's working on 12 volt battery 
So we don't have to start scaling down, start the highest scale, because we know that the battery is a 12-volt battery, automotive-style charging circuit for 14 volts. So we're going to go over to volts DC, and we're going to go to the 20-volt scale on my particular meter. Maximum reading is 20 volts, like a speedometer. Let's say the speedometer only goes up to 100 miles an hour in the truck. Then that's the maximum range that it, it could read to. And what we're going to do now is we're going to turn the power onto that circuit. And what's going to happen is that now we need to be cognizant of the continuity. So the red lead from the voltmeter is going to go to the power source. And the black lead is going to go to a ground. So let's say you're on the combine, and now we're going to go, we have the bulb out, and we're going to check to see whether we have power going to the bulb. Now, when you're diagnosing an electrical circuit, always start with the easiest area first. I mean, so there's no use ripping the dashboard apart to try to get to the switch to see if you have power. Go to where the bulb socket is first and work yourself backwards. Think of it like a garden hose, right? If you have no water coming out the end, you walk backwards towards the spigot to see where the problem is. You don't start ripping the pump out of the well and see whether you have water pressure there. You just go backwards from what the end, what the, uh, from the end of the run so now we go to the socket on the we take the bulb out of the socket we know that the bulb is good so now we're wondering whether we have power coming to it so if we have power coming to it so what we're going to do is that we're going to take the bulb out we're going to turn the lights on and with our, our voltmeter on the DC 20 volt scale we're going to take the red lead and we're going to touch it to the power source of the of in the socket and then we're going to take the black lead and we're going to go to ground if you accidentally reverse those leads you're not going to hurt anything but what you will do is you will get a minus sign up on the scale and so say minus 12.2 volts or 12 volts 11.9 instead of no minus scale so then again it's not the end of the world but you do want to read it accurately so now you're going to go and you're going to and while you're going with the red lead to the power wire coming into the electrical socket is that at this particular point because it's a DC circuit it needs voltage and ground and by going with the lead with the voltmeter lead to the power and running had touching it to metal someplace an external ground is that we're confirming that we have power so now we go and we see that we have 12 volts that, that way so we know our bulb is good we have a switch is good and we have 12 volts there the only thing that's in question would be is the ground circuit good alrighty so now you would keep your your red lead from the voltmeter onto the power side of the electrical socket that holds the bulb and you would take your black lead that is not on take it away from the external ground and touch it to the other terminal inside the electrical socket which would be the natural ground circuit of that light and so what we're doing now is we confirmed we have power and now we're going and we're actually checking to see whether the ground path is there so now if you don't have any voltage or you have very low voltage there then you know that the ground path for that circuit is defective or faulty or broken if 
you have the same voltage, the 12 and a half volts, 14 volts, whatever have if the machine is running or not, that you have with the external ground, then you know that you have a connection problem in that socket for the bulb. And how do we know that? Very simple, through deduction. Last week's podcast, right? Differential diagnosis. We have voltage. We have we have voltage independent of the ground circuit, and we have voltage with the ground circuit. We know that the bulb is good because we check the resistance of it with the ohmmeter, and so we know that when that bulb goes into that socket, it's not making a good connection. And I had a problem like that just recently. My electric garage door opener in the house here and uh on the farm and the garage door opener would work i would hear the relay click for the light but the light wouldn't work and there was a problem in the socket it had voltage coming to it but the other pin was bent down over years from screwing the bulb and it's chinese metal or something it bent but anyway so that is a simple test now so a voltmeter will be most of the time in the circuit that you're going to be testing is going to be in parallel. So if you want to check the battery on your tractor, your truck, you would go across the two terminals of the battery and read the voltage. If you wanted to check whether the alternator was charging, what you would do is you'd go across red to positive, black to negative, DC voltage. We know that it's a 12-volt battery, so we automatically go to the 20-volt scale, not the 2,000-volt scale, and most resolution, and we start the engine up, and we say, okay, with the with the engine off, we have 12.2 volts. With the engine running, we have 12.4 volts, 12.5 volts. We know that the alternator is not charging. We have 14.6 volts with the engine running. We know that the alternator is charging. So, in most instances, a voltmeter is going to be be uh, connected in parallel. So it'd be like hooking up jumper cables across the two terminals that are being checked. Now, an amp meter is going to be put in series. That means you're going to break the circuit, and you're going to put one end of the meter into the one end of the circuit, and the other end of the meter into the other end of the wire, and the load is going to be pulled through it. Let me stop there. Basically, in essence, most better meters today, as far as amperage is concerned, will have an inductive clamp. So unless you're doing very minute circuit voltage or something like on a computer circuit, so if you wanted to take a, a charging circuit or an alternator or a starter circuit, or let's say you have electric meters on a, uh, on a planter, and you'd be able to just clip around with the inductive clamp. So when you look to buy a meter, a digital voltometer, it probably they're more expensive but with the inductive clamp all you need to do is clip around the wire and it's going to read the magnetic emf the mag magnetic force of the electrons flowing through that wire and it's a very simple easy way for you to do that but in the instances that you do not are able are not able to use an inductive clamp and you have to put the meter in the meter needs to be in series and what series means it needs to be part of the circuit already so let's recap here that we have the ohm meter there is no con there is no polarity it makes no difference what side you go with the wires all right the circuit has to be shut off and cannot be powered up and you're going to read 
resistance in that circuit which is opposition to current flow if you have zero resistance then that circuit is considered to be shorted uh, based upon if it's a just a piece of wire obviously it's not shorted to ground but uh, and if it has over range then it's infinity and that means that it is open alrighty so if you're checking a bulb and a bulb has zero resistance then that bulb element is shorted to the case and if it's so a bulb needs to have some resistance across its filament if it has infinity or open that means that that bulb is broken internally voltmeter on a vehicle for 99% of the applications we're going to be using the DC scale all right the voltmeter and the voltmeter is going to be in most instances uh, installed in parallel across the terminals and you know play with this you know check a, a, a one and a half volt uh, flashlight battery check the charging voltage on on across your battery of your car your truck combined what have you very very simple amp meter which is current flow it's the how many gallons or Per, per minute or gallons per hour or gallons per second that are coming out of that garden hose and that is going to be put in series unless it has an inductive clamp so I'm going to recap to a little bit greater extent right now very very simple tests for, if you want to check for power you're going to use the voltmeter if you want to check for continuity in any type of circuit you're going to use the ohm meter and it's going to the circuit is going to need to be unpowered and if you want to check for an excessive amount of of power being consumed let's say that you have a uh to go back to the to the planter drive meter let's say you have a a 10 row planter and you went with your and you ran in your farm shop and you ran the plant the meters and you had an inductive clamp and you read the current draw how many amperage how much amperage each motor for each meter is drawing it'll give you an indication of the power consumption so let's say that you have a meter a seed meter that something is jammed in it or the bearing is going bad when you were to check the current draw then you would say oh geez and I'm making up a number here let's say all of the other meters are one amp and then you went to this one on row 10 of your 10 row planter and this one is two amps then you know that that is drawing excessive current why is it drawing excessive current well it could be because the actual drive motor is starting to go bad or whatever that motor is driving could be uh, binding all right so that's very very important so a in the amperage is going to tell you what is happening so as a circuit starts to have uh, excessive uh, I don't want to use the word resistance let's say excessive mechanical resistance all right so you're trying to turn something you're trying to uh, uh, the starter motor is trying to turn the crankshaft and the motor is seizing it's going to draw more current and another quick test that I want to go over for you, which is very simple, and you could use the voltmeter for this, or you could actually use a test light. And let's say you have a piece of equipment and the battery uh, goes dead on you. You leave it for a week or so, the battery goes dead. Very simple to do a draw test. What you do is you disconnect the negative terminal on the battery, and you could take a test light, and you could put it in series so one end of the test light to the negative terminal on the battery the other end to the cable 
and if the light lights up that there is a draw now what you would do then is go around and start to pull fuses out to see what makes the light go out so let's say you go and you pull the fuse to the stoplights arguably whatever all right i'm making stuff up here and the light goes out the test light goes out then you know that the stoplight circuit is what's killing the battery now keep in mind that when you start to go on advanced electronics on more modern equipment the test light is a down and dirty test because all of these computers on your combine your tractor your pickup truck your wife's car they all have what they call a kam keep alive memory and that is always drawing a minute amount of current amperage from the battery to keep that computer memory alive or the or the time in the digital clock in the, on the vehicle or the uh the radio preset stations so what you really need to do is use your ammeter for that and what you would do is you that this particular instance you wouldn't use the inductive clamp you would break the circuit as i said disconnect the gra battery ground cable and use the leads from your amp meter and the leads from your amp meter and you will read how the amperage draw any type of memory in a computer circle whatever is going to be a milliamp which is a thousandth of an amp so if it's five milliamps is your draw that's five one thousandths of an amp and that is not going to kill the battery if you're at a half an amp or one amp then you would go around and do the same thing and start to pull fuse i had a gentleman contact me through the farm machinery digest he has an older tractor and uh, the battery's going dead and usually when you have an older piece of equipment if there's not many fuses to pull out because there's not much electronics disconnect the field circuit not the bad from the alternator not the wire that goes to the goes to the battery to charge it but the two thin wires and usually if you have a draw like that then you'll see that the light goes out and you uh you have a bad diode in the alternator so basically in essence i'm going to ask you to uh listen to this again get your meter play with it you could stop and stop stop and start this this podcast as many times as you like you may want to just familiarize yourself with the meter stop it come back another day listen again what have you get yourself a, a, a old get yourself a light bulb a fuse maybe a switch a relay or something and then you could go and you could check everything and you could play with your meter and it's going to believe me like i say you spend an hour with this you're going to have a phd in it trust me it's not complicated listen to the podcast apply it listen to the podcast again apply it and come back and if you have to check something listen to this podcast it's warehoused on my website and it's also warehoused on uh, apple itunes the friend network and also uh, ag daily Alrighty. so listen we didn't have a special delivery segment today because i went too long on this i get excited about it but so this whole entire episode of idle chatter was brought to you by firestone ag and as you know that they're a company founded by Fi harvey firestone who was a fourth generation farmer from columbiana ohio harvey always dreamed of putting rubber tires on farm tractors and his innovative mindset is the core of firestone ag today and lives on with their 23 degree tread bar and ad2 technology the soil is the lifeblood of your farm trusted only to firestone so hey thank firestone for 
bringing you this segment today, and I greatly appreciate it. And also, if anyone is going to Commodity Classic, the past two years I've been at Commodity Classic and spoke on the main stage, but this year I'm taking it easy, and I'm going to be at the Firestone Ag booth, and I'm going to be hanging out there. So come over and see me, and uh, we'll talk. We'll talk farm equipment. We'll talk crops. We'll talk engines, hot rods, uh, volt meters, whatever you want. So uh, I'll be saying that every week now on the podcast between now and when uh, Commodity Classic comes up at the end of, of February into the first day or two of I was gonna say April, of March. So listen, you have a blessed, blessed Christmas and I will talk to you before the new year and know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher and my beloved America. Have a blessed day. Take care. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.